Hello, Liz here with Bible Clarified. Today, we're going to be talking about the end times. This is part three of a multiple part series covering the end time timeline, just looking at what the Bible says about what's to come in the end times, and also a look at, at the end of this series, we're going to look at where we are in the world with the world events and everything going on. We're going to take an honest biblical view of that. And so don't forget, like and share everywhere uh, as we need to inform as many people as we can of what's really going on and what the true Bible says. So that is our the heart of our ministry. So uh, last time, we're just going to review a little bit. Last time we talked about um, sort of the beginning of the timeline of uh, when it comes to the end time and some events that would happen and the beginning of sorrows. And then we also talked about uh, what Jesus said would be coming in the end, as well as a look at some evidence showing that God's believers or his elect would be saved from or exempt from or not present for the worst part of tribulation and the worst part of God's judgment, that he loves us and he doesn't want us to have to go through that as believers, and they call it the first resurrection in Revelation. And so let's look at a little bit of a definition of who are the elect, just to review and just to make sure we're completely clear on it. Based on the, the context of the Bible, the elect are those who are picked out or chosen by God to obtain salvation through Christ. In other words, Christians, those who believe in Jesus. So it's important to note that as Jesus says himself, many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, Few choose to answer and choose to believe. So it's important to note that. So when you choose to believe and follow, uh, believe in and follow Jesus, you become chosen and you become one of God's elect or one of God's believers. So that sort of clarifies who the elect are in the Bible. Now let's go through, because we're sort of at the midpoint of the timeline at this point. This time we're going to be talking about some cosmic events that happen with the arrival of Jesus. And so um, this is a really cool part of the timeline. And I just want to look at the remainder of the timeline from a 30,000 foot view so that when we reference something happening later in the timeline, you kind of have an idea what's going on. So uh, we've seen in the, in the last lesson, part two of the end times, that there's sort of this abomination of desolation that gets placed by uh, a leader and, and that gets placed in the holy place in Israel. And so the abomination of desolation, we don't know what that is, but the whole point is it's an abomination to God. It's the concept of it. It's something that's so against the ways of God and so against the heart of God that it would be considered an abomination to God. And that gets placed in the holy place. Ironic, you know, it's, it's it, absolutely where it doesn't belong, it, it gets placed there. And then uh, Jesus basically says, when that happens, get ready, get ready to run out of Israel because things are going to get ugly. Israel gets us surrounded by armies and then attacked. And this sort of leads into the triggers, the worst of tribulation is sort of stated by Daniel, as we looked out in part two of this series, is the worst of tribulation beginning and also is the halfway point of tribulation. The seven years of tribulation this is sort of the three and a half year mark. And so 
Then there are some uh, cosmic disturbances as Jesus comes, and soon after Jesus' arrival, his angels help collect his believers. Now, we don't know how soon Jesus' arrival will be. He specifically says, nobody will know the time. I come, and nobody knows when. Nobody but the Father knows when Jesus is coming. But we sort of have some clues, you know? So we look through the Bible, and we can sort of rule out and narrow down the timeline, but no, it's not our job to know. I'm not going to tell you, and I'm, I'm not even going to make that deduction for you. I'm just going to present what the Bible says, and you got to go and discern for yourself. So, during the tribulation, the worst part of tribulation, basically, this leader known as the Antichrist, that's sort of his nickname in the world these days, we call him the Antichrist, and this is a global a leader with global power and influence, and he demands everybody to worship the beast, which is basically Satan, um, and take the mark of the beast. In other words, pledge their allegiance to the beast. And after tribulation then, the worst of tribulation, Babylon falls. The, and Babylon is either, it's either representative of a way of life, which is the world's way, which is influenced by Satan, and it's not of God. When that falls, that's like Babylon falling. Or it could actually be an empire or um, a kingdom that falls that is representative of, of those worldly and non-godly ways. So after Babylon falls, basically Jesus comes, the heavens open as Jesus comes down with his armies of believers, and Jesus comes down to reign for a thousand years on earth while Satan is bound. And we know that um, at some point before that, potentially, the first resurrection or Jesus collecting his believers and bringing them to him has potentially happened. And the reason that we have this information or we think this is the case is because, as we saw in part two, Revelation says, Blessed are those who take part in the first resurrection. They get to spend a thousand years with Jesus reigning on earth. And so that's why we think that, and, and in addition to other evidence. So definitely go back and watch part two. So at the end of this thousand years, Satan is then released for a final battle with God, and Satan is defeated once and for all, one final time, and he's cast to hell. And so then we have this final judgment that takes place. The books come out. The book of life comes out. Jesus has been designated as the judge, and there's a final judgment that happens of everybody that wasn't taken in that first resurrection. They're judged on their actions. Wicked people are tossed to hell, and good people or believers are um, brought to heaven to spend eternal life with Jesus and our Father in heaven. So, uh, we don't know when Jesus is coming back to collect his believers, and uh, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. It, just how it all works specifically, all we have is these pieces of evidence that we can put together. And we're not going to go and build anything beyond that. Um, that's for your own deduction and your own uh, discernment. So, let's go ahead and look at the next piece of the timeline, which is when the sun darkens, the moon goes dark, the stars fall from heavens, and uh, the heavens will be shaken as Jesus comes. And this is a, an account basically by Matthew, Mark, and Luke of Jesus telling us what will happen. So sometime after the beginning of tribulation, sometime after the abomination of desolation is placed, and 
you know, the sort of triggering, triggering the, the midpoint or the worst, the beginning of the worst of tribulations. Sometime after that, Jesus comes. That's the evidence that we have. And so now we're going to notice, I'm going to read some passages and we're going to, we're going to talk about how similar these accounts are of these cosmic disturbances, the sun going dark, the moon going dark, the stars falling and the heavens shaking, because it is common, a common description throughout many generations of prophets of the Old Testament. And then we have Jesus in the New Testament giving three different accounts, uh, you know, three different accounts of Jesus talking about it. And then finally we have John in Revelation um, basically being told straight from God what's going to happen. And so it's just interesting to see. So first we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 21 verses 25 through 36. Matthew and Mark have a similar account, which we actually read as part of uh, our prior lessons here. Um, part 1 and 2, we looked a little bit into that. And I encourage you to go read Matthew and Mark's account again. But we're going to look at Luke because he's got a little extra information in there. So, uh, let's see here. We'll go ahead and start looking at cha uh, chapter 21, Luke 21, verses 25 through 36. So verse 25, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on, on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing from, failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your, your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass." and to stand before the Son of Man. So, right there at the end of that passage, note that that's, our, that's, that's one of the very strong clues that Jesus will help the believers miss the worst of tribulation. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy, counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. So, uh, then we get to instead stand before the Son of Man and not have to endure potentially the worst of tribulation. So notice that we have those cosmic disturbances, signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and the earth, and distress of nations, waves roaring. And so we have uh, powers of heaven shaken, those kind of things happening with the Son of Man coming, Jesus coming, those, those events coincide with his coming. So it's important to note. Um, so let's take a look at another place in the Bible that talks about the same thing. 
notice some similarities. So then we have Revelation 6, 12 through 17. So these verses are sort of similar. They're, you know, this description of the cosmic events happening aligns with or is similar to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But you'll also see that in Revelation 7, 1 through 17, there's a similar account to the description of Jesus coming and then sending his angels out to gather the elect from the four winds. Um, and so let's see what let's see what it has to offer here. Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. Let's make sure we got them all. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to earth as the fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain an island was moved out of its place, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in caves and in rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who is able to stand? So right there, we have a description in the timeline of that matches up with Matthew, Mark, and Luke of the cosmic events happening and the coming of the wrath of the Lamb, who is Jesus. So now let's take a look at Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. So basically, I'm going to skip over the a certain part of this, which I'll explain why. Um... And then we'll go over what it says. This is a rather long passage. So, starting with verse 1. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 140,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. So, if this description starts off with the gathering of God's elect, basically the sealing of God's believers on their foreheads with the seal of God. And then it goes into... A, a detail after verse 4, so verse 5 through 8 basically are accounting of each tribe of Israel of how many from each tribe was sealed, and it is 12,000 per tribe. So we're going to skip over verses 5 through 8, knowing that that's what it says, and we're going to go to verse 9. So first we focus on Israel, and then we go into a description of is of everybody. So first we focus on Israel, and then we we go to widen our focus and, and look at everybody here. So verse 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, 
and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So, noting in that passage that who was it that stood before the throne? Was it just the Jewish? Was it just the people of Israel? No. A great multitude which no one can number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne. So, let's go on to verse 13 and read and read on. The one, uh, then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more or thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So that's the end of that passage. And just note, right off the bat, it's not going to stink when, when you go to see Jesus. It's going to be amazing. There will be no more pain and suffering and tears. That little last description of what it'll be like, it's gonna, it's, it's not gonna be bad. It's gonna be amazing. So, uh, we're we're gonna notice that uh, who who these are, who where are they coming from? All these people that show up in heaven all of a sudden. That's the first thing we're gonna know. They are those that come out of the great tribulation. There was a multitude that nobody could number. It was so many people from all tribes and nations out of the great tribulation. So, the question is, does that include the raising of those who were dead and those who lived on the earth as well? We don't know. We don't know. But we have evidence in other verses in other parts of this series. Um, so, we want you to make your own deductions on that. So, it's just important to note. First, the people of Israel, and then all tribes and nations, everybody um, being pulled and just showing up in heaven all of a sudden. That's pretty cool. So then we move on to Isaiah 13, 9 through 13. And so what we're doing now is we're taking a look at different prophets of the Old Testament, and we're going to just digest that each one has a very similar account of what it will look like when the day that the Lord comes happens, right? So let's look at Isaiah 13, 9 through 13. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible, or tyrants. I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than golden wedge of ophir. 
Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and in the day of his fierce anger. So this is a passage talking about the day that the Lord comes, and sort of this judgment that will happen on the wicked. So notice the same cosmic events are described. The stars of heaven and their constellations not giving their lights. The sun darkened the moon not giving its light, and the heavens shaken. So this is, this is yet another description of the same event. It's very interesting. It's just a similar description. So now we're going to look at um, Joel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Um, no, well, we're going to do look at verse 1 and 10, where basically verses 2 through 9 just describe Israel being laid desolate as the beginning of God's judgment. So verse 1 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, and sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. And verse 10 says, The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish in their brightness. There you go. Again, another account of a very similar description of the coming of the Lord. And these cosmic events that happen along with it. Now we're going to look at Joel 2, 31 and 32. Basically, it's important to note, and this is a passage we've read before in part two of this series. I'm going to read it again, though, because it's really important. It has a very important uh, indicator that those who believe will be relieved from the worst of the judgment. So let's look at Joel 2, 31 and 32. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion, and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Now, this is very focused on the people of Israel, because this was in the days before Jesus. And the people of Israel were God's chosen people at that time. And then as, as, when Jesus came, the invitation to uh, believe and follow Jesus and receive salvation for his sacrifice, that he died on the cross and then rose from the dead and walked and everybody saw him and had first denied that he was God walking on earth, the son of God. They couldn't deny it anymore when he rose from the dead and walked around and everybody saw him. They knew that he was Jesus and his sacrifice made it where we can choose to simply follow him and all of our sins are washed away when we believe in Jesus. And because of that, we all have this opportunity to be the one who calls on the name of the Lord and gets saved. That's us. So just wanted to make sure you notice that. Then we have another passage in Joel. When something is important, God says it multiple times. Well, here we are, the third passage in Joel. <laughs> so Joel chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. So just going to note that the same things happen. It, it talks about the same cosmic events. The sun in verse 15. The sun and moon grow, will grow dark, and the stars will diminish in their brightness. And... The heavens will be shaken uh, in verse 16. Just to, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I just want you to know it's yet another description of the same cosmic events when the, when the Lord comes. 
It's just interesting to note these similarities. Now we're going to look at yet another prophet, Amos, chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. Now I will read this one, because it's yet another account of the same thing. And it shall come, pa come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sack sackcloth on every waist, and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourning for an only son, and its end like a bitter day. So there is God describing his judgment. The people uh, have chosen, especially the people of Israel, have over and over chosen to turn away from God and pursue other worldly paths and worship other gods. And, you know, God's sad about that. And he says, one day there's going to be a day where I, you know, I come back, but people don't know that it's as Jesus at that time, because it's the Old Testament. Jesus hadn't been here yet. There were prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus coming as well. This is the prophecy of him coming for the final judgment, this judgment that he comes and uh, begins. And so that's that's sort of the, the end of this group of passages that, that talk about the the similarity, noting the similarity of these cosmic events that happen and that coincide with Jesus coming. So we're going to stop there, and next time we're going to pick up with the next item on the timeline, which is sort of the beginning of the worst of God's wrath and what that looks like, and there's a description of that in Revelation chapter 8 and 9 we're going to go over. And so that's our next session. It will be part 4 of the end times. Again, if you haven't seen parts 1 and 2 of the end times, this being part 3, definitely go back and review those. Lots of interesting information about what the Bible says to, has to say about the end times. Don't forget, like, share, subscribe, and get this information out there about what the Bible truly says. Not the tainted worldview of the Bible, but what the Bible actually says. And we just leave it at that. And so have an awesome day, and we will pick up next time with the End Times Part 4.